Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. You started your Christmas shopping yet? How many's finished Christmas shopping? All right, all right. You're doing pretty good. You organized folk. Look at you. Y'all trying to make the rest of us look bad, aren't you? <laughs> How many start Christmas shopping about two days before Christmas? Let me see your hand. Yeah, there's a couple of us like that. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all started Christmas shopping back in July. You know that's true. Take your Bibles out if you would. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. It's our seventh sermon in 2 Thessalonians, and I believe will be our last sermon. I think that we'll complete it tonight. Everybody said amen. We're going to begin in verse 7. We're going to read it for context, and then we're going to pick up in verse 10 and go down to the closing of the chapter. Reading out the New Living Translation, for you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. Now go to verse 10. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. <laughs> You're not willing to work, you don't eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Mm, it's going to be good tonight, I can tell you. <laughs> we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. And as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Amen? Never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times. And in every situation. And the Lord be with you all. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. I do this in, my, in all my letters to prove that they are from me. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you to open our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. God, help us to apply this to our life. And God, help us, Lord, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to allow the light of your word to shine upon our heart. Lord, that we might be sanctified, prepared, uh, meet for your work. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Pastor Tyler did a great job last week preaching on um, up to verse 10. And let me reiterate some of the things that he brought out. He says, why is the command given to work for a living? Question mark. Because work is a spiritual act. 
When we disconnect our work from being a spiritual act, we come out of alignment with how God sees our work. And then he said, everything you do is spiritual. We have a tendency to compartmentalize our life. We have the spiritual and we have the secular. We have the spiritual, we have the work, and we have the social. But you don't read that in the word. Everything is spiritual. Christianity is to affect every aspect of your life. Christianity is to affect every aspect of your home, every part of uh, your being. Tyler says, if you think uh, you had asked Jesus about his spiritual life, that he would look at you very confused. And he says, my guess is he would have asked you, what do you mean by my spiritual life? You mean my life. Because all of my life is spiritual. Everything matters to God. And I think all of us can agree with that. Amen? Everything matters to God. Every aspect of your life. So I want to pick up. Look at verse 7 and verse 10. The first thing I want you to see is Paul says there's an example set before you. Look at verse seven one more time. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. And verse 10 says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. And that Greek word for imitate means, it means to copy. It means to follow the example of. Listen to what Paul told the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your own lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Pattern your lives after mine. So the apostle had a, had a set up, he set a healthy example before them. And he was not hesitant to tell them, follow me, imitate my life. And church, may you and I live with such wholesomeness, with such wholeness that we can say without hesitation, follow me. Matter of fact, imitate my life. Now, Paul says we were not idle when we were with you. And that word idle, the King James, the new King James uses the word disorderly. And remember, that's a military word. It carries the idea of being out of step. It spoke of those or speaks of those who are unruly and without discipline and would have been used of a soldier who was out of step or insubordinate. One writer says this, these rebellious people were breaking rank. Therefore, they were out of place while in membership in the local church. Now, let's talk for a moment about this idea of communal responsibility. Paul is writing to this church, this community of believers, and in essence, he says, all of us have a responsibility to the whole. We have a responsibility to the group. We have the responsibility to the body. We have a responsibility to the church. And when we are in relationship with others, 
we have a responsibility to them. And I think about community for a moment. When I think about community, there are three things I observe about community. Community is wonderful. It's good. Community is a good thing. Another thing I think of is this. We are blessed by community. Your life is blessed when you live in community. Your life is blessed when you're living and doing life with others. I also believe that you were created for community. So one of the things the enemy always tries to do is he works through offense. And as soon as the person gets offended, they become isolated. And when they get isolated, the enemy begins to pick them off. And that's why uh, uh, not being easily offended is so important. Because the enemy works through offense to get you isolated because he knows if he can isolate you, then he can take you out. Now, Paul is talking here and saying that we as a community, we have a responsibility to each other. So I want you to think about this, that, that each of us have a responsibility, a communal responsibility. So within community, there are norms. There are expectations of the one to the community. This flies in the face of this idea of just focusing on what I can receive from community. Or, or what the community, community can do for me. I want you to hear this. Community is not just what we receive. It is what we or you bring to the group. It's not just what we receive com from community. It's not just what we receive from church. It's not just what we receive from small group. It's not just what we receive from family. It's what we bring to the community. It's what we bring to the church. It's what we bring to small group. It's what we bring to the family. See, a huge challenge we have in our society today is this. Many, if not most, have a consumer mindset. Think about that. We have a consumer mindset. So the statement, community is not just what we receive. It is what we or you bring to the group flies in the face of a consumer mindset. Let me explain this. A consumer mindset says, you exist for me. A consumer mindset says, you exist for what you can give me. You exist for what you can do for me. A consumer mindset says, I have needs and you must meet my needs. Now, the challenge with this consumer mindset is it's one-sided. The other challenge is it centers on self. It absolves the one of personal responsibility. I don't have a responsibility to bring healthiness. You have a responsibility to meet my brokenness. You have a responsibility to meet my needs. Don't ask of me, just tell me what you can give me.
Don't make any withdrawals on me. I want you to deposit in me. It's a consumer mindset. Looking at what the community or the communal or the group or the family or the small group or the church, what it can do to satisfy me. Now, when you word it that way, it sounds so ugly, doesn't it? It sounds so horrible. It sounds so horrific. But so often we are a product of our society. We are in a consumer-oriented society. Everything exists to feed me. Let me tell you what a, what a consumer mindset has and does to us spiritually. It fosters a lack of connection and undermines the health of community. Because you see, community is all about connection. And many times we miss it because we are approaching community with a consumer mindset instead of what is my responsibility to make community healthier. What is my responsibility to grow community and to grow in community? Now, in this particular community, the Thessalonian church, the particular problem was there seemed to be those who were not willing to contribute financially to community and was only taking from the community. They had a consumer mindset. The community exists so that they can receive. And Paul challenges that. They were unwilling to work. Now notice what Paul says. Paul says, we give you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now the apostle was pretty straight here. Matter of fact, it's not the first time he said it. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul had already gave this instruction. He says this in verse 11 of chapter 4. He says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. So it's not, it's not the first time they had heard this. Matter of fact, this was something that Paul had brought to their attention, no doubt, several times. He says, listen, live a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, Verse 12 says, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend upon others. See, we have communal responsibility. We have a responsibility to the community, not just to receive, and don't get me wrong, Community should be about receiving something, but it's not only about receiving, it's also about bringing something. It's about bringing yourself. It's about bringing who you are. It's about contributing to. So when I look at these verses where Paul says, don't be disorderly, don't be idle. Matter of fact, bring something to the table. I think it applies to our 21st century today. 
think it applies to the church even right now. Now look at the challenge. Look at verse 11. You'll see the challenge. We hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and then listen, mm, meddling in other people's business. Come on, somebody. Notice what idleness does in a person. Idleness creates negative behavior, and it leads to negative consequences in one's own life, being unproductive. See, you're creating the image of God. Every one of us are creating the image of God. I believe that you are created with a goal-oriented mindset. You operate best when you have, you have goals set before you and you are accomplishing those things. I'll prove it to you. Now, from a biblical standpoint, think about this. God created the heavens and the earth, created everything you see. In six days, the seventh day, he, he rested. Every day, there was something Every day there was a new work, and he saw that it was good. Every day he saw what he did was good. When you wake up on a Saturday morning, you got your to-do list, and then you work hard to get that to-do list done, and Saturday evening when you look at that to-do list and you have it all checked, don't you feel good? Don't you feel accomplished? Don't you feel like, man, I got something good today? Matter of fact, you feel energized. See, I think a lot of times what happens is we're not setting proper goals in our lives, so we're not accomplished. So we feel like we're just spinning our wheels. You know what a definition of frustration is? Is you feel like you're running, but you're going nowhere. You feel like you're exerting all this energy, but then the more it's like that that, 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 that car on the beach, the more the tires spin, it just, it just gets deeper, deeper stuck. And sometimes we feel like that in life. But when you begin to declutter and you begin to set some healthy goals, you begin to accomplish those things, man, you feel like you can conquer the world. Because see, you're creating the image of God. You're created to do something. You're created to work. Idleness, what idleness does in a person has negative consequences in the behavior and also in one's own life, but it affects the community also. The community itself suffers, meaning the church, the small group, the family, the workplace, whatever the community is, it suffers. That's what disorderly or idleness does. Now, the challenges of those who were idle in the Thessalonian community was this. They refused to work. Now, Paul had already given the command, if you do not work, then you don't eat. He was pretty clear. He was straightforward about this. And he said so with an apostolic authority. But notice, not only the lack of some to work was creating a real hardship on the whole, but the offenders were then going even a step further. They began to meddle in other people's business. Let me read it out to King James because, because it just kind of puts it where it's at. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Nobody likes a busybody. 
You like people in your business? Mm-mm. Nobody likes a busybody. A busybody is one who gets in other people's business, and guess what they do? They create drama. Nobody likes drama. Not being busy only made them, contributed to them being busybodies. One theologian writes this, instead of working, they were minding other people's business, prying into the private lives of others, and interfering in their progress. So instead of working, they were working to bring confusion, drama. Now let's talk about the remedy for a few moments. Look at verse 12. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, settle down and work to earn their own living. And as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Now take note of those who refuse to obey what this letter says. Stay away from them and don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Again, Paul uses his apostolic authority to lay out a commandment that is meant to be obeyed and meant to be followed. Verse 12, we command such people and we urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the authority of Christ was behind this commandment. He says, settle down. Now that word settle down is in contrast to the word disorderly or unruly. In essence, Paul says, get back in step and settle down and quit living unruly lives. Quit causing a disruption. Quit living in such a way that is causing things to be out of sync. Matter of fact, get back in sync. There are societal norms. There are communal norms, and he says you're outside of them. Now, particular in this context, talking about the coming of the Lord, a lot of theologians believe that, 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 that some were saying that Christ is going to come back at any time. Christ is going to come back at any moment. So, so don't work. Quit your jobs and just sit and just wait because he's coming back at any moment. So you just wait. Many believe that that was what Paul was commending them not to do. He says, listen, you're not going to work. You can't eat. You have a responsibility to the whole. You have a responsibility to the group. Church, how we apply this today, I think, is so important. Because we do have this thought in society, in church culture today, is bless me if you can. What can you do for me? How can you meet my needs? So what happens is we're always looking, and it's almost this principle of, I'm not going to get involved, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to contribute. You've got to do everything for me. And we are missing out on one of the greatest blessings that God wants us to have. And that's the blessing of each other. That's the blessing of community. That's the blessing of doing life together. 
You say, well, pastor, last time I did that, I got hurt. This person upset me. This happened. That's called community. <laughs> Family is messy sometimes. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, we have, we have three kids, and, and all our, each, each one of them, total different personalities. And, and, and sometimes it was messy. Sometimes, I'm telling you, as, 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 especially when they were young, thank God not now as they're older, but when they were young, they'd fuss, they'd fight. And sometimes as parents, you're like pulling your hair out. It's like, man, it's so stressful. But you know what? One of the best things I love to do as parents when they'd fuss, they'd get upset. No, it wasn't just smacking them. That was part of it sometimes. But it was, you know what? Hug each other. Love on each other. And you know what that would do? You know, at first, like, stop. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, and Judah was always so much bigger than Tyler, though Tyler was so much older. <laughs> you know, fine, they'd hug on each other. And then what we learned, we learned this, and it really began to work for us. We began to say, you know what? You're fussing about your sister. You're fussing about this. Say three positive things about your brother. Say three positive things about your sister. And really what it began to do is it began to build their relationship with each other. You know, family sometimes is ugly. Community sometimes isn't very pretty. But it's what God has designed. And it's in that community that we learn to grow. It's in that community we learn to forgive. It's in that community that we learn to give each other grace. It's in that community that we learn to give each other a little bit of slack. It's in that community we learn to show mercy and practice mercy and receive mercy because sometimes we're the offender, amen? Come on. You know, I told somebody the other day, you know, you know, we really don't believe in mercy until we're the one that want mercy and needs mercy and suddenly we're preaching mercy in community. And we have a communal responsibility one to the other. And when I read this and I talk about, because you know what, when I, when I look at this and I look at you, you know, all of you are hard workers. I mean, you, you, you carry jobs, some of you are already retired, you put in your, your time, you're enjoying that part of life. But you know what, you've worked hard, you, you've done that. How can we apply this to our life? And I think as you look at the principle here, Paul is talking to each one of them. He says, you have a communal responsibility. Not just to take from the community, but to give to the community. And today, church, we have responsibility to come bringing something, and that is ourselves. Because the community needs you they need your voice. They need your presence. And it's imperative that we learn to get involved in community one with the other. Can you say amen? amen. So Paul says, get back and step and settle down. Work to earn your own living. Let me tell you this. I thought about this. Being in pastoral leadership now for over 32 years, there's a common thread I see woven in drama-ridden drama people, a common thread I see written through people who are critical and people who feel disconnected. And that common thread is this, a lack of giving themselves to healthy work within the confines 
of community. A lack of personal involvement so they feel disenfranchised. Some, some go on to cause problems or some just feel disconnected, end up leaving. The antidote is this. Find something for your hands to do and do it. Did you hear me? Find something for your hands to do and do it. Get involved in communal life. Get involved in community. Find something within the confines of community. Bring yourself to the table and you will find that you will be blessed. But not only you will be blessed, but you'll be a blessing to others. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And I love verse 13. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. So now Paul turns his attention to the whole congregation. As for the rest of you, brothers and sisters, let me give you an important note. Keep in mind, this is a family. Family have tough but healthy conversations. Did you hear me? Families have tough but healthy conversation. Paul moves from a correction voice to a voice of an encourager. He says, never get tired of doing good. The King James says it this way, do not grow weary in doing good. Never stop doing the right thing even when others are not doing right. Did you hear me? Never stop doing the right thing even when others are not doing right. Let me read Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. So let's, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, when we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Paul also told the Corinthian church in his second letter, chapter 4, verse 1, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Bruce Barton writes this, to those hardworking believers, those who were not lazy, Paul said, never get tired of doing good. In contrast to the idlers who had persisted in their idleness, even since Paul's last letter, these hardworking believers should not let the idlers cause them to become dispirited in their work. Paul knew that the believers could become discouraged when they tried to do right and receive no word or thanks or saw no tangible results. But Paul challenged all of the believers to keep on doing good and to trust God for the results. So church, keep doing the right thing. Keep showing up. Keep being involved. Keep believing in people. Keep helping. Keep giving. Keep doing. Keep investing in others. Keep being faithful. Do what you know is right to do and keep doing it. There's no place for idleness among healthy people. Idleness not only affects the individual, but it begins to affect the communal, the community. It begins to affect others. Paul said not only were they not idle, out of step, but now they're starting to be busybodies in other stuff. 
the enemy was using their idleness to create drama. Now, verse 14 and 15. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say. Stay away from them so they'll be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. This is very important. Always remember, we deal with each other as brothers and sisters. When possible, we should always deal from a family context. When possible, we should always deal from a family situation. Why? Because family sticks together, family grows together, and family matures together. We are a family. Family sticks together, grows together, and matures together. How many is determined you're going to stick with the family? How many is determined you're going to grow with the family? How many is determined you're going to mature with the family? Closing remarks. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. The Lord be with you all. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I love that phrase and that title, Lord of Peace. Think about immediate context. Just as Paul began his letter with grace and peace, chapter one, verse two, so he ended with the Lord of Peace. At the end of his first letter, Paul prayed for the Thessalonians that the God of peace would sanctify them. And he knew that the commands he had given would take more than just human effort alone to fulfill. It would be difficult for idle people to humbly, to humble themselves and go back and begin to work. It would be difficult for the annoyed believers to treat these people lovingly yet with a firm hand. Paul did not expect them to do this in their own strength, so he prayed that the Lord of peace himself would give them peace at all times and always. Paul referred to the God of peace or the Lord of peace often in his letters. In church, for you and I to accomplish the will of God, for you and I to affect change in our own life, our own way of thinking, and deep in our own personality, we need the Lord of peace to help us change, to help us bring healthiness to our own life. And I thought, what a perfect way to close out the year. What a perfect way to end talking about, may the Lord of peace give you peace. Just a few weeks, just a few days, just a couple weeks, we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace. Always keep in mind, the Lord of Peace is with you. The Lord of Peace is by your side. 
Jesus told the disciples in John 14, I think it's verse 27, he says, he said this, I'm leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. He says, I'm giving you peace, not as the world gives. You know what? The peace that he gives, the world can't take away. Why? Because he's the Lord of peace. How many need the Lord of peace? Just to flood your heart, mind, and soul. Can we stand tonight? And we just take a moment and just worship the Lord of peace. <laughs> he's with you always, wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever you find yourself in, whatever situation you find yourself faced with, guess what? The Lord of peace is with you. The God of peace is with you. The God of peace is here. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We love you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray that tonight, God, that we would remind ourselves and be reminded that we have a communal responsibility, Lord, God, to, to be engaged and to bring something of ourselves, Lord, not only to receive, but also to give. Lord, help us to recognize this consumer mindset and help us, Lord, to guard against it in spiritual matters. Because, Lord, it's not all about me, myself, and I. It's not all about what, what I need. It's also, Lord, about us coming, offering ourselves. God, being in community one with the other. And Lord, in all matters, matters that are good, matters that are a challenge, matters that are healthy and matters that are unhealthy, help us to always do our best to remember the family aspect. Lord, as much as lieth within us, man, we always deal with things from a family perspective that a family sticks together, a family grows together, and a family matures together. Father, I thank you that we are a part of the family of God. And Lord, we honor you. We praise you, Lord of peace, shalom, God our peace, Jehovah, Jesus, Jesus, we love you, Lord, we love you, Lord, we love you, Lord, you are worthy, God, you are worthy, Lord, you are worthy. Stop. 